Aussies love the bush, but sometimes the bloody bush doesn't love us back. I'm John Harper, just a simple joker talking about why mental health is everybody's business and what to do if you think a mate is struggling. This season on Mate Helping Mate, we've decided to go down a slightly different path and dive into some really important themes that continue to come up when dealing with mental health issues. You'll hear from people from different walks of life with wisdom that they have learnt from their personal experience. No matter how far isolated you felt, there's always someone around that can be that telephone line for you. Just coming in with open arms and finding where you can help. So much of what we do is surrounded by people. Like People do make it or break it. They're there for me. I know who I can rely on. They make it. Brought me to tears to think that they got one fella who was game enough to ring me up and say, come and have a cup of coffee with me. We talked for two hours. That was a very, very uplifting day. And that's what I want to do for others. This podcast is a Room 3 production and brought to us by our mates at the Murrindidgee Primary Health Network and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature and we recommend seeking professional health advice from your GP, doctor or other medical professional. If you're struggling with your mental health, please visit the show notes or matehelpingmate.org.au for links to trusted service providers across the country. You can also call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They're available 24-7. You'll be hearing the lived experiences of everyday folk in rural and remote Australia. The language can be strong at times and references of suicide may upset some people. So consider who's within earshot when listening. G'day crew, John Harper here. Today we're talking loosely about why communities matter. Why communities matter in preventing isolation. Support networks. Who is in your team? And why is that important? Well, as a farmer, if I see a sheep out alone, I know it's crook. And what do I do? I bring it in, have a look at how best I can fix it. If I can't fix it up myself, then I get a vet in. And then we put it back with the mob. And we should know or we do know that actually coming together is the best way to deal with mental health issues. So all of these are very important in dealing, especially the pointy end of mental health. So I know myself when I was seriously considering suicide, my perception was that nobody cared about me. Nobody gave a rat's ass. And the other thing was that I couldn't see a brighter future. I couldn't see me being happy with the footballers or with my wife or with my kids. Our contributors have gone through a lot of shit in their life. They're all in a better place and it's because of the support that they've got. Ultimately, if you look right through the, all of their stories, it is about mates, it's about family, it's about community, it's teamwork. I hope that you'll find elements that are really defining for you. So I think COVID's actually the one that's really thrown the spanner in the works because in the bush, hadn't it, when you were being brought up in Maringo near Young and where I was, you know, when we dealt with drought or fire or floods, the normal human tendency is 
to flock together, is to come together. United we stand, divided we fall. Was that your experience at Moringa growing up? Oh, 100%. I mean, the, the hall was the, the hub, the hall and the school and the rural fire shed. And they still come together there today. Any opportunity you had to be part of your community really mattered. And it was a place of fun and a place of where things happened. And it was your home. So it ran through your veins. It really did. It's something that you don't leave behind. And I think Braywood's got a lot of that as well. The Braywood area and small villages I've seen have a lot of that too. It's It's got a sense of community, a sense of family and a sense of belonging. And even for those people in these times that don't have that, they've certainly been invited to be part of that. Yeah, so being invited, does that make it inclusive of them? Is that a challenge for us? Do we need to step further forward than just inviting? I think it matters that, in a sense, you are humbled. It's an honour to be included. An invitation, in a sense, is paramount, I think, in small communities. But at the same time, there's also that need for help. So it's taking that careful approach when you're coming through someone's door, their community door, and listening as opposed to talking sometimes and being empathetic and understanding and coming in with no preconceited idea, just coming in with open arms and and finding where you can help. So you learnt your strategies through, what, a family environment, that basically your family home was open to anybody to come in and have a chat, especially if they were feeling down or struggling? Yeah, just call in, have a joke, have a laugh, have a chat, talk through stuff, catch up. The kettle was on, whether it didn't matter your reputation or your past. I don't know at the time you think about the goodness you're actually doing, but I think it, when you're isolated anyway, you want to be included. So you do what you can, make sure that you're inclusive and that you're included. And if there's an opportunity to put the barbie on, have a sausage and in dad's case, you'd have a beer or whatever. It mattered that you mixed with people and it mattered that you were part of something, no matter how far isolated you felt. There's always someone or something around that can be that telephone line for you. But isn't that true in normal times that most people do not think of their support networks, of the people that keep them up, that keep them moving forward in life? That it's, generally speaking, it seems to be in times of trauma when we see these great qualities in people that we all admire and that, but we just fall back into... I don't know, bad habits. When you hurt the most, you go inward. And it's no different to a physical wound. When you've hurt your top paddock, you go inward. So you you embrace your shin when it's been kicked in. And if your emotional and social part of your well-being is hurting as well, you isolate. You don't want anyone near you for a while. So people are standing there often to help. But there's got to be a mending space where you can let them in too. So the people that want to help have got to tread lightly to be able to help you sometimes. So, Peter, I understand that you're in really dark places, even contemplating suicide, yet you put in actions some strategies to ensure that you got up another day. What was one of the strategies that you used? Well, the first strategy was that on a farm, obviously we have a gun for animal welfare. I was always dead frightened of using that gun because if you're not feeling good, it's not safe. 
I was advised and I took that advice to hand the keys to the gun cabinet to my son who looked after them, I knew, never knew where they were and he did that job for me. And that was just a relief to know that I did not have to handle the gun for one and secondly I didn't know how to get into the gun cabinet. So where did that advice come from? Our rural financial counsellor at the time, he came out and he just talked, general talking one day and that's what he, he just suggested that to me. He said what about doing something like this so that if you get the urge, you have no means of doing it. Why did you listen to his advice? Because I had a family, I had a wife, I had five children, four or five grandchildren at the time. That was always in the back of my mind. I do not want to do this because of the effect it's going to have on the rest of the family. I had to remember the rest of the family. And, and not only that, I found out later in a tough workshop that the whole dairy industry was concerned for my health and what I was doing, to the point that they got one fella to take me out to coffee one day. And I never ever knew why until we did this tough workshop. And I, it brought me to tears to think that they got one fella who was game enough to ring me up and say, come and have a cup of coffee with me. We talked for two hours. I still remember that day. That was a very, very uplifting day. And that's what I want to do for others. And prior to that, you had no realisation that the rest of the people knew you were struggling. You thought they had no idea whatsoever. Exactly, yeah. That was a real eye-opener to me, to think that the whole dairy community who I'd worked with were standing there, didn't know what to do, trying to come up, and this one chap just did it. And it's... I can't explain it. It's just so great. And we can do that for others. And it's interesting about the net, because I've never told you, but some of those boys rang me years ago. So, uh, And I guess they would, because they, they, were, they were concerned. You know, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm a long way away. I'm not oh, in the Tari, but it's interesting. Yeah, but you rang me too. Well, that's why. Well, there you go. The network, see, it yeah, was it the was network. a network. Yeah, so it is interesting, isn't it, that it's this network, it might not always be visible, but when Australian men are in the shit, mates stand up for each other, and when we're in the shit, everybody should mate, really. That's that's exactly the truth right. of it. Exactly right. You know, there's, there's more people out there think more of you than what you think. And one of the strategies, and I'll just add this little bit, when I got up and going again and got this job, my wife got down because it was all about me because I'd got through it, got going, and Lynn was being left a bit behind. And, and she went to a psychologist. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she went to a psychologist and the psychologist said to her, you send a, a text message to all your friends, ask them to text back why they think you're a great person. And that still sits on her dressing table today. And that's another strategy then, it's isn't it? It's another strategy, and that lifted her dramatically. Yeah. But still, it took courage for her to send that text, exactly. didn't it? It did. Oh, yeah. Far out. Yeah, but she sent it, and that's what it came back. That's the other thing I'm learning, and you may well see, is that vulnerable people, people that have been traumatised, think they haven't got it. But time and time again, you see courage like your wife, Lynn coming from somebody who was as vulnerable as all shit, basically. This podcast has been made possible thanks to our mates at the Murrindidgee Primary Health Network. Their Empowering Our Communities grant is a federal government's way of walking the talk. 
demonstrating their commitment to supporting families and communities living with the impacts of natural disasters. The program aims to support suicide prevention and encourage rural communities to seek out mental health support. This podcast is also brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Through resilience building activities, they support primary producers experiencing natural disasters. You can find out more about them and the great work they do on our Mate Helping Mate website. So in helping ourselves, and indeed in helping others, you don't necessarily need to be the strongest tool in the shed. It's been probably oh, several years that I've actually been actively involved in anything community orientated. And I've dived in and I'm vice president of the whole. I've joined the Rural Fire Brigade, actively working with people that need help physically and emotionally. I can go out and spend half a day with, with somebody on their property and, and fix a fence and we just chat. And I'm learning how to speak to people because I've never been outgoing. Really? Well, yeah, I could never sit down and have a conversation with somebody about something serious because it just didn't matter to me. Now I'm learning that it does matter to me. There are people out there that are like, oh, I just see old mate down the road, oh my God, you know, roll their eyes, whatever. But Glenn will be like, maybe you should ring such and such. Like, she looks like she's having a rough trot. Go and have lunch with her or something. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't notice that. It's opened my eyes and I'll, I'll say something to Glenn. We'll just be having a conversation. He'll be like, oh, maybe you should give her a call. And I go, oh, okay. So I do, and it ends up in a coffee day, and then two weeks later she's ringing me, oh, you know what happened? And it's all because he's just made the comment, just give her a call, and that's all we, all of us need to do. You don't need to be depressed. You don't need to be suffering from it or recovering. You just you just need to look out for each other. And maintain connection. Yes. I mean, during this climbing conditions, as they say, the water situation, all of that, is that the reality is that as an individual, most of us can do sweet bugger all about it. So, I mean, really to get through, we've got to go to old day philosophies and mm. strategies and that is one in all in. Yeah. We're all in the shit. Let's be there all together. Exactly. So much of what we do is surrounded by people. Like, people do make it or break it. And if you've got a good team, like, I know I can speak very highly of the team that I'm involved with at the moment. They're there for me. I know who I can rely on. Like, they make it. So this is work team or this is holistic team? Oh, holistically too. But specifically at the moment, I'm thinking work. Like, the bloke I share an office with, my boss, like, I can ring up and it doesn't matter what's going on. I know that I've got someone there. So that, for me to be able to get up and go to work every morning, for me to have that is massive. Whereas I've been in the position where I haven't had that and, you know, that drive to get out of bed is just not there. Get out of bed. Far out. Do you make any conscious attempt of propagating that team spirit that you've got from work? I guess I do. Like, I am the one that organises social events and I am the one that... We'll go between and make sure that, you know, things are happening in the background to make sure we are a good work environment. You know, if you do have that good work environment, then your productivity and your enjoyment and wanting to be there 
is massive. Like if you don't get on with the person that you share an office with, you don't want to be in the building. And the second that 4.36 comes around, you're out of there. What is your primary goal with your social gatherings? What are you trying to achieve? Me, it's checking in on everyone, making sure everyone's okay. I, I know my close people well enough. And then obviously the further outside your circle you get, the less you probably know them on a personal level, um, whether it's personal or professional. But for me, it is checking in that everyone's okay and picking up the phone. If it's over the phone, if it's in person, you know, it's been a big thing through COVID. So, you know, touching base, we normally have a daily smoko session. And so an what defines a good smoko session? I mean, sometimes it might be that you can kick goals. Somebody might unload on you and you can do something positive about it. There'd be different degrees of smoko, I suppose, for so, you. Yeah, We've no. got people that cover so many different things in one setting that everyone's dealing with different things. Everyone's got their own juggling balls up in the air in a work setting, let alone a personal setting. So for us, it is just to unwind and debrief, I guess, of you might be able to give someone something that makes their work life a bit better. So have you any examples, perhaps, where you've had a work issue, a formal sort of issue that's been solved with informal discussion within your group at Smoko. Being able to work between what's going on with your problem, what's going on with their problem, you can generally find a solution. Sometimes it's personality issues. Everyone's got their own opinion. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Yeah, I guess just sharing networks in a way, it all comes back to people all the time. Sharing networks, experiences. Well, most of you will realise that in socialising, by being part of a team maintains your well-being. But how do you do it? How do you overcome the urge to isolate when you're flat, when you're struggling? I used to force myself to take Saturday afternoon off to go play tennis. It is much easier to stay in the paddock. I love my tennis once I get there because I'm picked in, I'm in a tennis team, once I'm in, I'm committed. Now, I give tennis away because there was no one turning up, no one to commit, and I jumped the fence and took up lawn bowls. I'm picked in a team Thursday night. I have to turn up, I let the team down. Whereas if I was playing golf, I think, oh, well, I won't go this week. I had a mate years ago when I was president of the tennis club for 11 years. He said, oh, me and the wife giving up tennis, we're going fishing. They'd go fishing one week out of 10. Farmers, it's an irrigation farm, easy to stay in the paddock. There's always something to do. Ironically, subconsciously, there's strategies you've put in place that you haven't realised. So things like tennis, you were committed. Now you lawn bowls, they pick a team on Thursday, you're committed. So you've put yourself in a place where you have some worth and some belonging. You belong to a team. And so you're part of the community. And this is one of the issues that continually comes out with people struggling is that they tend to be isolated. I mean, as you said, it's quite easy, yeah? And you would much prefer to stay on your pat and in your paddock. You've got to force yourself to go off the farm because if you're on the farm, you've got the farm and the farm and the farm. As much as I love my farm, you've got to get off and talk to people. And I said, farmers bounce misery off each other. I'm the only farmer that plays bowls in Willamette. There's no one else will take a day off. And people from the cities and more settled areas think we're isolated. And Like with the first lockdown, I was isolated on 6,000 acres. And I had a little mate in town. We'd come out, we'd sneak a beer together, we'd keep our distance. 
And I'd, I'd ring up a few of my campers, I call the blokes I really got to know, like my, I call them mates now. So once again, so you're implementing strategy, you're staying connected, you're phoning, you're using whatever it is, Facebook sending photos, but you're getting laughs and responses yeah. from people and that's better than sitting in silence and in misery, isn't it? And that's, that is, and yeah. that's probably the main message yeah. that we'd get from China Millamine, close to the whole of the world. Yeah. And dealing with tough times. You've got to look on the bright side of everything. Look on the light side. My involvement with rural outreach counselling is something that I don't take lightly. I do try and keep an eye on people in the community here at Coolerman and uh, even at Tarkutta at Oburn I've had the opportunity to help a young bloke up there as well and the mate keeper is to keep an eye out for people that you think may be suffering or may have reason to suffer and try and have a yarn to them that's a good start. Is it an easy thing to do? Yeah I know I find it quite Honourable, to be honest. I consider it a privilege to be able to help, as I do consider this an honour to be able to help people through this podcast if I can. What have you learned today? Busting to get out there? Get out there and put the mob together? In dealing with mental health and well-being successfully, community matters. Being part of the team. Being able to practice mateship, being part of the mob, means you're there in the good times and we're all there when the going gets tough. So hang in there, support each other. Let's make sure the mob's all together. Nobody, yourself included, is to be left out. In finishing, a reminder that this podcast features general information only and we recommend you get independent advice from a qualified professional. Mate Helping Mate has links on the website with a number of great service providers across the country. Head to matehelpingmate.org.au. If you're struggling with your mental health and need to talk now, call Lifeline at any time on 13 11 14. This podcast was a Room 3 production and brought to you by our mates at the Murrindidgee Primary Health Network and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Episodes of this podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts by searching for Mate Helping Mate and hitting subscribe. If you like what you've heard, make sure you leave a rating to make it easier for others to find us. Better yet, share it with your friends and family to start a conversation about mental health in the bush. A massive shout out to John Harper, who over the years has travelled this country tirelessly working to improve mental health in rural and remote Australia. And of course, his offsider Michelle for her continued support for John and his work. Original music by Southwark Sounds and stock by Soundstripe. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you've found this informative and helpful. Yeah.